Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. We're going to go ahead and recap just really quickly. You can write these uh, scriptures down if you would like to. First Samuel chapter number 15 is where we started out. We're going to continue there today which is for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity and idolatry. So rebellion is likened to the sin of witchcraft or is, uh, in other words, it's on the same playing field. Are you with me? Rebellion is like witchcraft. Is this, or you, you could say rebellion is the same as witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity. The same language here. Stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. Isn't it amazing that God, that God would deem a stubbornness the same as idolatry? And in most of the church world, We've, we've got idolatry pinned down to something that we um, spend the most time devoting our thoughts. And you know, we usually say, well, if that thing is consuming your time more than it's consuming God, it's an idol. And that is the majority of the teaching of idolatry. God didn't say, I mean, yeah, that would, that would, could be something that we could say has become an idol that has exalted its place above the priority of God being seated on your throne. Absolutely. But there's something that we ignore in the fact that the Bible says stubbornness is like adultery or stubbornness is the same as adultery. Oh, come on now, somebody. We don't sit and think about that too much, do we? All right, we're going to continue. Um, that's the foundation scripture for this whole teaching that I would like to bring to you. Proverbs chapter number six, and this is just me doing a quick recap. These six things the Lord hates. And so, uh, you know, we, we discovered the last time when we started, yes, God, there's some things that God hates. And then the Bible says, yea, verily, the seventh, the seven, and yea, verily, even the seven, seven are an abomination to God. So God hates six things, but the seventh one is not only something He hates, but that's like an abomination to Him. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Come on, a lying tongue, come on. Wag, wag, wag goes that tongue. The book of James talks about how powerful this tongue is. Just like the rudder on a, how many of you ever seen a, I mean, you know, let's just take the biggest cruise ship for the sake of painting a picture in your head. How small that rudder is, but that little rudder has the ability to change the direction of something that weighs hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tons. And if you look at the size of the rudder in context to the proportion of that massive object floating on the water, yet that little rudder has the ability to change the entire course. How powerful our words are. And one of the, the most power, one of the, 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 the predominant way witchcraft is being released from people is through that tongue. 
Not only does the tongue give, have the ability to change your own direction. That's why I usually will always say, you are the prophet of your future. Yeah, because life and death is in the power of the tongue. You are the prophet of your future. You're your own personal prophet. When you speak, what is coming out of your mouth? Amen. Words are powerful. Words are so powerful. People, we don't think about this. Like I said, you know, I mean, I don't want to even stop you because I'm just changing lanes here. But, 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 but it, it's right in the subject that we're dealing with. But on a side note, the words are so powerful. I mean, think about it. We, you're sit on a chair today. The chair is holding up your body. But, but, but the point is our existence here, everything you see and touch and feel all originated from the Word of God that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Words have power and He created us in His image and likeness. And with the same tongue as you, God's Word, listen, God's word from your mouth is as powerful as God's word from his mouth. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running evil, busybodies, you know. And we could take that a little bit deeper than that, but we can also break it down to that too. A false witness who speaks lies. A false witness that speaks lies is always speaking something. It's manipulating a situation so that it can have the outcome it desires. Witchcraft. Amen? And one who sows discord among brethren. This one is the one that God calls an abomination. How many of you know the Bible says Jesus builds His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but the Bible says Jesus is the one building His church. So the one who sows discord among the brethren, the quick picture that I painted was Jesus is here and He's doing all the brick laying, cement is coming and then they're loading up the next layer of bricks on top of that foundation. And the one who sows discord among the brethren is the one coming behind Jesus as He's laying bricks. Jesus is laying a brick and then they're removing the brick and Jesus comes and lays another brick and then they're removing a brick. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be a brick remover when Jesus is trying to build His church. And one of the biggest aspects of why I'm wanting to bring this up as a teaching for the church, um, and, uh, uh, that, that we need to be very conscious of the fact, you know, in no way, shape or form, is there any sort of like subliminal uh, thing that I'm trying to get out that we're operating in this, uh, there's people operating in witchcraft here. That's not, that's not, it's not, it's, it's becoming aware of what this witchcraft really is and what it looks like and that we can all be, we can all be susceptible to functioning in it. Are you with me? Because, most of this subject when dealt with is like, we never put this down into the category of 
what it really is. Therefore, the main picture we're painting about it is a big druid and a big, there's a, you know, like a wizard and a druid walking into the room, somebody looking like Darth Vader coming in or maybe the evil emperor or something. And that's the way, you know, you come dressed up in witchcraft in church. Well, it's not as obvious as that. Come on, are you with me? Do you think, come on, let me ask you the question here. Uh, did, that stuff exists, absolutely. That is a blatant, but that is blatant. And so we're never gonna allow that into the doors. The enemy is far more subtle than sending somebody here looking like the evil emperor. How many of you would agree with that? But at the same time, do we not also believe that now that you are in Christ, the enemy's agenda is to abort the promises of God for you, abort the promises of God that are being birthed in ministries. And this thing that I'm talking about is the very reason, one of the major reasons why churches don't always take off, why churches don't always blossom and bloom and go to where God wants it to be because of the subject that we're dealing with right now. Amen? For the flesh sets its desire, Galatians 5 verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you believe. So the flesh is at war with the Spirit. And when we yield to the flesh, Sometimes, some people a lot of the time, some people all the time. Come on, let's just be real. Some people most of the time. The Spirit is having a war with the, the Spirit and, and come on, the Spirit and the flesh are fighting each other. What are they, what, what's the in-between thing is the soul. The mind, the will and the emotions are either yielding. That is where the war is going. The Spirit's finding, fighting for the flesh, for the soul. On them in the middle of it. And when we give in to the dictates of the flesh, in other words, when we desire the outcome that we want, and we are obstinate and stubborn in what we want in the flesh realm, we must be careful because when we're yielding to the flesh, we can yield to the spirit of witchcraft. Come on. So we're going to see at some point here, I don't know how this is gonna go, but, but we have two great examples in the Bible. You know, we, we like to talk about this a lot. This is, you know, you know, this is the one name that the church knows really well. And I mean, I've searched, I've heard it far and wide and everywhere in between, no matter where I've gone in any country of the world, we know the famous Jezebel. And how that name gets thrown around. Oh, she's a Jezebel and this one's a Jezebel. Oh, you Jezebel. And then I've seen it as far as I've been in rooms where people just attacked somebody and said, you spirit of, Je you Jezebel, you, you operate by spirit of Jezebel. I've, been in, I've seen it all. I've seen a lot of things. I shouldn't say I've seen it all. I've seen a lot. Now both, and then there's Absalom. 
We don't talk a lot about, you don't hear a lot as much as you do about Jezebel as Absalom. But both of these were absolutely, Absalom is a master manipulator. And by the way, just so that you know, Absalom is the name of somebody and Jezebel was the name of a woman and Absalom is the name of a man. And we, we attribute, we attribute the, the function of the spirit behind Jezebel as the spirit of Jezebel, but there is no demon called Jezebel. There was a person named Jezebel. There is no demon named the spirit of Absalom. No, it was the spirit that Absalom yielded to in his flesh. It was the spirit that Jezebel gave herself over to in her flesh. Those spirits will apprehend your flesh to fulfill their purpose. Are you with me? So we'll look at those things. We're gonna get into it, amen? I know you're much more excited about hearing this than what you look right now. <laughs> First Samuel chapter five, verse 13. Uh, well, actually verse one through three. I just wanna go ahead. I'm gonna paraphrase here. This is where we ended off because I wanna get into the next part of the content. In fact, let's just go to, um, uh, well, we know, we, let's, you know, okay, so basically he has the deal. Uh, the prophet Samuel goes to Saul and he tells Saul, listen, destroy everybody, destroy all the Amalekites. Are you with me? And he, and he says, the, 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 the kids, I mean, just destroy it or leave nothing. If it's got breath in its body, destroy it. Don't even keep the possessions. Keep nothing, take nothing, destroy it all. Kids, dogs, cats, Everything. Saul goes in and they absolutely, I mean, they, 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 they pretty much do all of the above except they keep the choicest parts of the cattle and he goes ahead and he keeps uh, Agag and he doesn't do everything that God's told him to do. And that all concludes with that, that verse of Scripture, which says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the, 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 the sin of idolatry. Because Saul still sits there after Samuel said, you never listened to what God told you to do. He said, but I did. No, you didn't. And then guess what happened? The Bible says from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord no longer rested upon Saul. And right after this story, the prophet Samuel shows up at the house of Jesse because the anointing is lifted off of Saul. God is about to anoint another king. Now there was a long period of time before David became king, but he was anointed. The Bible says that when he did that, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The Spirit of the Lord came off of Saul, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And that's when everything in the life of Saul begins to get chaotic because the Spirit of the Lord, the anointing for the grace and purpose that he carried was no longer there and he knew it. Are you with me? Come on. So we climax into that scripture that 
rebellion is as witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry. So you don't have to necessarily be participating in a seance and summoning up demons to be operating or dabbling in in witchcraft. Are you with me? And I think the Bible is very clear because look, this is not an attempt for us to, this is not a, just understand, this is not an attempt for us to become conscious about demon spirits. No, 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 no. This is actually with the help of the Spirit that we become conscious about what we are yielding our flesh to. I know you might find this funny or not funny, but you know, I heard about a man that went, was just walking somewhere, was on a, five mile walk and eventually got to one street corner and the devil was on the side of the road crying. And he said, what's the matter with you? He said, everybody's blaming everything on me. Now we know that he is the author. Uh, we, look, this, we're, not, we're not giving, we're not lifting any pressure off of him. The point of the matter is, is that, listen, the devil made me do it. That's a great line. No, what did you do in your flesh that you yielded your flesh to the point that He made you, that you gave Him the the room in your life to get you to that point? The devil didn't make you do anything. You allowed the devil to, you allowed the devil room in your life to get you there. Just saying. Stubbornness is called idolatry. How can a stubborn person be in idolatry? How? He makes an idol of his opinions or her opinions. They begin to exalt things above the place of God's senior authority in their lives. That means even if the word says something that that is a higher value or truth in that, they push aside the word and stubbornly or aggressively hold on to that thought. Or you can even have a way of thinking that might even be religious, that sounds spiritual, but we don't let go of it. Why? Because we hold on to it like a religious cow. It is an idol that we've exalted in our lives. Amen. Stubbornness says, I'll do it my way. Frank Sinatra sang that song. I did it my way. (laughs) That was terrible. I'll I'll practice better next time. (laughs) God calls this idolatry. Come on, we, we might as well just bow down and worship an idol because that's what we're doing. And it's good to be able to be conscious and come to the understanding of these things because otherwise we've put these categories here over there, but we're never aware of how those things could possibly be operating in us. 
Now that doesn't mean that like, you know, there's demons operating around you, but, but here's the thing. The enemy knows us he knows us really well. He knows how we operate. He knows our weaknesses. He knows uh, where we are weak in the flesh and He comes and He prays. And that's why that spirit of Jezebel or that spirit of Absalom that we attribute to those people that we know are in the Word of God, that spirit, whatever that demon spirit's name is, it, it, it will attach itself because it looks for the people in, in their flesh that have those attributes that will lend to the same way that Absalom functions and the same way that Jezebel functioned so that it can fulfill its purpose through that person's flesh. Now, when we talk about the spirit of Jezebel and we've known, how many of you ever know, have you ever heard of somebody called Jezebel? How many of you ever know, known somebody that, that you knew? I mean, they operated in the spirit of Jezebel. Anybody in this room? Come on, we've, we've at some time encountered somebody that was like an Absalom or a Jezebel and, and we knew who they were. The, the point of the matter is, is that um, I've seen a lot of that stuff happen in the church. Guess what? That person operating with the spirit of Jezebel, that's a saved individual. A saved individual that is still carnal in the flesh. that gives into the dictates. In other words, the appetite of the flesh and the drive to have an agenda fulfilled is stronger than submitting that flesh to the Spirit of God so that He can kill that thing inside of them. So there's hope and deliverance and, 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 and restoration for everybody. Amen? Rebellion is like witchcraft. Rebellion is likened to the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion and witchcraft are as alike as identical twin sisters. The ministry of deliverance, if you would find one, if you could find one of them, you'll find the other. They go like hand in hand in a glove. If witchcraft is there, rebellion is there. If rebellion is there, look for witchcraft. They hardly ever come separated. Are you with me? In the New Testament, now this is where we're gonna shift here today. In the New Testament, witchcraft is, is described in two ways. First, as a work of the flesh and second, as an evil spiritual power. We see the effect of this evil and spiritual power in Galatians chapter three in verse one. And I've quoted this many times right here from this pulpit. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Then use another word. Paul never said, who has lied to you? He said, who has bewitched you? Who has put you under the spell and a lie, who has sold you a lie that you have allowed yourselves to yield to that lie? Who has 
pulled the cloak over your eyes. This is a little bit more of a deeper word here. Paul is saying, who has bewitched you. Who has been operating in witchcraft and manipulated by whatever means necessary to get you back to where they want you to be? Through fear, through intimidation, through manipulation, who has bewitched you, church, that has taken you out? You see, sometimes, and I see it so many times, they'll come into church and they will hear something that is so liberating. And I want to weep so many times because I will see them frequent the doors of the church, maybe one time, get excited, maybe twice, come back and then they go home and then they speak to somebody or somebody else and they begin to talk them right out of it because now what they've got as a liberty actually confronts them and they come up with some religious thing and then they begin to manipulate them, bring them into fear, sow seeds of doubt and unbelief and pull them out of the purpose and plan of God through witchcraft and manipulation and control. Which all form part of the same thing. Are you with me? Who has bewitched you? Where did I put that? Oh, there it is. I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, this is actually going to the lust of the flesh. Sorry, I'm ahead of myself. But Paul says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Who has bewitched you and taken you away from the truth? Who has brought fear and intimidation to you to tell you that you've got to go this way? Having begun in the Spirit, why are you ending up in the flesh now? Who has brought you to this place to tell you? And it was the spirit of fear and intimidation to try and bring them right back under the law by the Judaizers of the day. And the religious devils of today are still alive, bewitching people in the church today. We're talking about, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He's talking to believers. This this bewitching, this witchcraft is happening in the church. And that witchcraft is happening in the church right now as we speak. We're bringing it up because guess what? When you expose the enemy and you know his tactics, then you will be prepared when the manipulation and control comes, you will recognise, ah, this is trying to take me out of the truth. This is a spirit behind the scenes, behind the scenes, and I'll tell you what that spirit of witchcraft is around, the, 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 uh, around, around these parts and some other parts. That spirit is the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion bewitching the church Paul's talking to is the spirit of religion. Witchcraft is 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 the individual sending words out of his mouth with the intent of getting the result that they want out of somebody. Yeah. 
That's what witchcraft is. Are you with me? Well, you can't go to that church. They, they preach about this and they preach about that and, and you can't do this. And you, 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 now, we've got, to be, we've got to be submitted to the Word of God. The Bible says, test the Spirit. I mean, of course, that's pertaining more to the prophecy and, and, and testing the Spirit and the Word, but, but we've got to test. We've got to submit everything to the Word of God. Amen. Is anybody getting anything out of this today? Well, what what was what was what was the 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 what was the point of Paul talking to the church there? Who's bewitched you? Who have you been manipulated by? What was he talking about? People that were, exactly, people that were trying to get them back under the slavery of the law. And, and, he, and, and he was saying, listen, you started out in the spirit. What, what was that? What was that? What was it that, that, that they were trying to bring? That you, how, who told you? Who, who sold you the lie uh, that you b- believed this lie that you started out? You could do nothing. Listen, it was all because of Jesus. Basically, we're saying, could you obtain salvation in your own strength or was it by the work of faith? Are you with me? Now they've gone over into the flesh thinking that they can deserve it. Why? Because that's what the law will tell you. The law was about the obedience of the Israelite. The law was about the obedience and the works of the Israelite so that he could be pleasing to God. Are you with me? If I do, God will. If I don't, God, will, God won't either. Are you with me? If I, He will. Come on, I just wanna go ahead and say this. Go ahead and take the time today uh, as you consciously think about it and begin to thank Jesus that it's not, now nobody said we can do anything we want to. This is not about walking in disobedience. Please, for the love of Jiminy Cricket. It's amazing how the minds just go from one thing, but you can't say this because what about our, no, no. It's got nothing to do with your obedience. You think you're saved because of your personal obedience in this room? Are you saved by your obedience? No, the, the book of Romans tells us clearly by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Was it by your obedience or by his obedience? By his perfect obedience, you were made righteous. Do we obey God? Absolutely, we obey God. 
But God never put my salvation in the frailty of my ability to obey Him because I might obey Him today and do real good and tomorrow I might not get up and pray for 30 minutes like I did the day before. And guess what? God's okay. Why? Because He put me, He seated me in the righteousness of Jesus. So when He communicates with me, He doesn't communicate with me on the basis of my spiritual disciplines. He communicates with me on the basis of the fact that He became my righteousness for me. When He looks at me, He looks at me as perfectly righteous. And if I absolutely will get lost in that revelation, it will never produce in me the desire to disobey Him. It produces within me the desire to be more disciplined, to pray more, to do whatever more. But it is coming from a place from the heart and not the works of the outer garment, the flesh. Come on, who has bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? That's witchcraft that has come to you, that has told you it's about you. It ain't got nothing to do with you, baby. It's got everything to do with the one man and His name is Jesus. Now we're having church. Because now you, this is the gospel. And anything short of that is a veil. Let's remove the veil. Let's re- re- let us, by the Spirit of God, come in like, a, like surgical masters in the Spirit and remove that veil and continue to plunder at the liberty that has been given to you so richly in Jesus so that you can completely surrender to it so that you can be empowered to actually do. And the problem is, is when you begin to go over and you are bewitched like the book of Galatians and some of those that were there, guess what? It will produce for you a temporary result in the flesh before you become weary and tired and the majority of the church today is exhausted under the yoke of religion. You come in, you get free, you go out and they wanna make you a slave again. Oh, you can do that. Why? Because they have more faith in their works to produce a righteousness that only Jesus can give them. That's why it's called a dead work. Hallelujah. So we're not any different here. We're not any different than those that Paul was dealing with. I'm telling you right now. All I'm saying is when we come to church on a Sunday for the love of God, let us, and I say that with graciousness, Let us put ourselves on the hot seat and say, God, 
If I fall into any of these categories, come invade my life so that the righteousness inside of me can be revealed. Lord, if there is any part of me that is leaning more to the side of myself than what you have already done, help me, Jesus. Help me. We've got to come out of sitting down in church in light of who else could have maybe heard this message today because then we're thinking about them and we're not putting ourselves in the place of God coming to deal with us. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I felt the shift in the atmosphere. It's good to be sobered up to the reality of the glory of Jesus and what, you know, that's it. You know, my my war, if I have a war, if I can say this, my war, if there's a war to be had here is for me to plunder away and to continually fight for the freedom of God's people so that that thing that's out there isn't prevailing against you. But that you hear this so much that what's out there begins to diminish and diminish. Why? Because the Spirit of God and the identity on the inside of you, that which is on the inside begins to rise up bigger than when the flesh used to cower down into a, in, into a place that, that, that there would be a boldness now that would arise on the inside of you instead of a fear and intimidation that would cower. You see, fear and intimidation cower at the, at the antics of the spirit of Jezebel and, 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 and that fear and intimidation will hold you back. But the, the, the proclamation of the truth time after time that it would bring you into the place that you would rise up bigger or bigger. Come on, the prophet Elijah just got done destroying 800 prophets of Baal and Asherah and he's fleeing from the hills from one woman. And part of the other reason that I'm doing this is because I believe that there is a prophetic significance in the fact that we're talking about this because I'm telling you right now, as we are coming here and we are listening and there is agreement in the room, we are releasing into the atmosphere the Spirit of God's kingdom to rule, reign and have its way that we are gaining territory in the realm of the Spirit that that, the Spirit holding people back will no longer be able to have their way and that you will see the church of the Lord Jesus Christ being built up and anybody with an agenda coming through those doors won't last more than two weeks. Yea, verily even one week they'll come out and know that whatever agenda of a manipulation and control and try to have itself exalted except if you come here with the heart to exalt Jesus and if that's all your heart is then you are welcome here. But if you think you're gonna come in with some agenda to show us how anointed you are, there's the back door. It's got a big exit sign. Don't bump your head on the way out. Let me tell you that. God bless you. Thank you for coming. We love you. But if you can get on board with preaching a message that puts Him first, then we don't need another spirit in the house.
Hallelujah. God is good. Somebody say, God is good. Come on, all we're doing is making room for the glory. We're making room for the presence of God. We're making room for Him. Come on, this is His donkey and He has need of it. And we're saying, Jesus, this donkey is yours. Come and sit on it. We're just giving Him a vehicle so that He can do whatever He wants to do with it. Amen? Hallelujah. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Hallelujah. I can tell. Phoebe put her hand up. I just knew that that hand was attached to a lot of energy of yes. Praise God. I know some of you say, this is great, Pastor. There's food all around you. I'm smelling it. And if you don't hurry up, I'm going to eat you. (laughs) All right. I submit the floor. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. uh, You know, we'll, we'll talk... A little bit more here. I think that'll suffice for today. How many of you good with that? Something to to think about, sit on, chew on. You know, usually when you hear this kind of stuff being exclaimed, I always like to say this. Ask yourself, the Bible says, you shall always, you, you shall know them by their fruit. Not by their gifts. That is, listen, if that's another thing that we're going to absolutely just continuously just throw at people here all the time. The measurement of a ministry is not based on gifts. Because God can flow. The Bible says that the gifts and the callings are without repentance. You could be in the middle of an adulterous affair. Last night, come behind the pulpit here today and still operate in gifts. You could have gone down and took a hit of heroin or crack and somewhat been sober enough to walk into the church and you could have come as the guest minister to preach a message and the gift of God would still work. You cannot evaluate a ministry based on the gifts. Are you with me? The Bible says you shall know them by their fruit, not by their gifts. So what is the fruit here? You've got to listen. That's why Jesus said, to them that have ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. The fruit you are always safe with, 
This should bring a safety to your heart and your spirit. The fruit that you will always be sure of, a fruit that you will always know that you can be secure and safe in is when you are hearing the sound and that sound is resonating the name of one man and his name is Jesus. When Jesus is the centralised factor of what you are preaching, you are in a safe place. Not because of gifts. And we desire the gifts. We want the gifts. But we're just saying that's not how we measure a ministry. I can tell you story after story. If you just look at God's generals, you look at the history of these men and women of God. A.A. Allen, who was used mightily of God in signs, wonders and miracles, would be drunk as a skunk coming to preach at his meetings. And the moment he got there, he said, Lord, forgive me, use me in spite of me. And the moment he prayed that, uh, you know, the people that were there, he would sober up immediately and the power of God would begin to heal people. Now, many that he preached to didn't know he was having that problem. Jack Coe died, he basically ate himself to death. The spirit of gluttony operating in his life. Mighty man of God. And so we're not here to expose, this is not the point, I'm not exposing people. I'm just trying to fortify the, 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 the thing that I'm saying. What are you hearing today? Are you hearing the name of a man being exalted or is what you're saying, hearing is putting Jesus at His rightful place? Man removed, Christ exalted. Because if you can answer that question, then you know the prevailing message that comes from this pulpit. Amen. And we're doing this in the Spirit right now because I'm telling you, people are coming like ants, like ants to honey or bees to honey. From the north, the east, the south and the west, they'll come. Not, and they won't be coming because they're looking for a man. They'll be coming because they're looking for Jesus and they know Jesus can be found there. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to go ahead and dismiss the live streaming audience. We love you. Just before you do that, have we done that yet? Okay. Just before we do that, we just want to make quickly two announcements. If you are giving today, then uh, you can go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Give Now button. You can give safely and securely. Uh, for those of you that are in the room too, that's one way. If you are writing out checks also and you're here, write your checks out to DRM or Destiny Revival Ministries. We have the offering uh, box on my right, your left. And then you can also give this way, text to give. Uh, we can have that slide up. Um, text the word give to 337 That's 434 337-434-3777, text the word GIVE. You'll get a link back and it will help you to give safely and securely. So, all right, thank you out to our live streaming audience. Thank you for being with us today.